0: Welcome to the Mount Pisgah Student Life Podcast, where we will talk about all that God is doing right here in our ministry. All right, everybody. Um, This month, last week, we started a new series uh, that's called I Am Not. And what we're talking about in this series, if you missed last week, are all of the things that we attribute to Jesus, all the qualities, characteristics, how we view Jesus, that he actually is not. The importance and purpose of this is when we give Jesus all of these characteristics and qualities that he is not, we are not actually serving Jesus. We are not following Jesus. We are not listening or interacting with Jesus, we are following, listening, and interacting with an idol, because instead of following who Jesus is, we're following who we've made Jesus to be. And so this month, our our whole focus is that. Our focus is, let's look at who Jesus truly is by taking away some of the things that he is not. Last week, we talked about Jesus is not your genie. He doesn't just grant your wishes and kind of sit at your beck and call of when you want or need something and say, Jesus, I need this, and then he gives it to you, and then we go away until we need to rub the lamp again later and and, and get another wish answered. Today, we're going to look at something that might be a little bit more confusing than that. We've heard Jesus be called the Good Shepherd. Raise your hand if you've ever heard him be called the Good Shepherd or the Shepherd or anything like that. It's a really common thing. And when we think of, of shepherds, we think of like, you know, like the long robe and the, the shepherd's crook and like these fluffy white sheep that they're just kind of leading around and just watching them graze and like sleeping in fields and all this stuff. And he absolutely is that. He calls himself the good shepherd. We, we see moments where he even says that he is, I am the good shepherd. It's one of his I am statements. But what he never says and never does, is commit himself to being a gentle shepherd. Really often who we want Jesus to be is this gentle shepherd of just politely, kindly kind of urging us on, and you're doing so good when we're doing terribly, and just very gently, very sweetly pushing us forward. But Jesus never says, I am the gentle shepherd. Really often, Jesus doesn't live as the gentle shepherd. So today, that's what we're going to be looking at. If you have your Bibles or Bible apps, either one, I'd love for you to be with me. We're going to be in the book of Matthew. And we're going to look at three separate occasions where Jesus does not live as the gentle shepherd. Now, there's this word that we see in Scripture several times that we need to define and understand a little bit better before we get into it. And it's the word rebuke. Raise your hand if you've heard the word rebuke before. Now typically when we talk about rebuke, we're not like your parent rebuked you. It's like your parent punished you. We don't use that word very much anymore. And so when we see it in scripture, it feels a little bit foreign. It feels a little weird. We're not exactly sure what that means. And when we look at its original definition, and we're going all the way back to the Greek and the Hebrew of, of what scripture is written in, the actual translation of that Initial word that we write as rebuke could also be written as exposed. To be rebuked means to be exposed. To have the hidden things or the the things that we try to push away or not show be exposed. And when Jesus, when we see him in these next couple passages rebuking, he is not doing something that is gentle, but he is still shepherding. So we're going to look at that. We're going to start in, in Matthew chapter 23, at one that we talk about a lot. We see this one a lot. We preach about it a lot because it makes us feel good, because we get to point the finger somewhere else. But we see Jesus talking here, and, and he says this starting in verse 29, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, Hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if you have lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. See, in this first moment of rebuke, of exposing, Jesus does so to show the hypocrisy, to show that what they're saying is not what they're living, what they're trying to prove about themselves is really not what they think they're proving, what they're trying to show themselves as is not really who they want to be. They're doing so to try to make themselves look better, be better, have a higher status, be viewed more graciously or gracefully or at a higher position. And Jesus is saying, look, what you're telling people you are is really telling people the other thing. And he exposes them as hypocrites, saying one thing and living the other. For some of us, that's the rebuke we feel every day. Because one thing that is celebrated in our culture and society now is being able to say one thing really well so that we can live another way just as easily. And we talk about this word conviction and being convicted and and conviction comes after rebuke often. And this first thing, we're going to call it a, a pharisaical rebuke. It means when you are being rebuked or exposed for being a hypocrite, saying one thing and living another. Now we're gonna see a second one. We don't talk about this one quite as much, but you'll hear pastors bring it up and and they'll yell at you a lot about it. So I'm gonna try not to yell. We're gonna be in chapter 16, and this time we're gonna see Jesus with one of his, who you could probably consider his most devoted disciple. Anybody gotta guess who that is? Peter, good job. He's with Peter in chapter 16. He's with the disciples, but he's just gotten through telling them that he is going to die and raise from the dead. He's telling his disciples this stuff. But in chapter 16 in verse 23, Peter has, has kind of been like, no, Jesus, there's no way. We're not gonna let that happen. That won't happen to you. We're never gonna allow that to happen. That's not who you are. That's not the life you're gonna live. And Jesus looks at him, It says, he turns to him and says, This, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In this second moment of rebuke, in this second moment of of being exposed, of exposing Peter in this moment, we feel like it's kind of mean. We see Jesus in this moment and we're like, man, that's really harsh. He calls one of his most devoted, potentially his most devoted disciple, Satan. And he tells him to get behind him. But what Jesus is saying here in this moment of rebuke, in this moment of exposing Peter, he's looking at Peter and saying, I'm exposing your lack of faith. I'm exposing your reliance on the world to understand who I am. And the world cannot teach you or tell you who I am. So if the first rebuke is, is the pharisaical rebuke, the second one is, is the Peter rebuke or the rebuke of Peter. And for us, that is the rebuke of faith. The rebuke of trying to see Jesus through the lens of the world of trying to understand Jesus who saved us from the world by the perspective of the world. And it's never going to work because the world is never going to adequately explain, show, or prove who Jesus is and was. Now, obviously, Jesus and Peter are are besties for the rest of, of time. You know, Peter has those three moments of denying Jesus but even when Jesus comes back and he gives Peter three chances to redeem himself Peter takes it and if I'm Peter in this moment my feelings are so hurt because the man who I've been following the man who I truly believe I've already at this point claimed is the Messiah the one who is coming to save has just called me Satan and told me to get away that I am a hindrance but Jesus doesn't say anything frivolously Jesus doesn't say anything by accident. And so that begs the question, if we are being rebuked in the way that Peter was rebuked, who are we hindering? And what are we hindering? The what is much easier to answer. The what is the kingdom. The expansion and the the giving of the word of God. The way we are living, what we are doing, saying, acting like, is hindering what Jesus is doing in the lives of of ourselves and the people around us. But if we're being rebuked like Peter, the, the number one question that we need to ask is who are we hindering? Is it just us? Is it just ourselves? Or is it people around us that we are standing in the way of the expansion of the kingdom in their lives? Now there's a third one and this is potentially the toughest to understand because it hasn't happened yet. But when we flip back to Matthew 25, we're reading this and Jesus in this short passage is talking about the day of final judgment. So something that hasn't happened yet in the Bible or now. So we read this understanding that this is coming later. Later for them, later for us. But he shows the why of rebuke. In this moment, Jesus shows us the point and the reason why he is not only a gentle shepherd, why he is more than that, why sometimes being a gentle shepherd is not enough. And in these two moments we've already seen, the gentleness is not there. Because he is harsh and does not mince words. We read, starting in verse 31, he says this about the day of final judgment. When the Son of Man, who is himself, comes in his glory and all the angels around him. And he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people from one another as a shepherd, shepherd separate shepherds. <laughs> separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. So on and so forth. But then he refers to the people that will be separated to the left. Who he calls the goats. This isn't a good version of the goats. In 41 we see this. He says, Then... He will say to those on the left, depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This is why Jesus is not always the gentle shepherd. Jesus' full desire is to have a huge flock of sheep on the right and an empty pen on the left. That is all of what Jesus wants. His whole desire, the reason he came and died for our sins, is so that everyone has the option of living that life of the sheep that are being given the kingdom, that are inheriting everything that is being given to them by God. But knowing That some will not accept that. And that some will be on the left. If Jesus was only the gentle shepherd, how much easier would it be to be on the left? To live in a way that we can be the hypocrite, that we can just ignore that pharisaical rebuke, that we can stay away and live the life we want to live because we speak so well in public. Or even live as Peter and live as somebody who knows Jesus intimately but decides that the way we're going to live is going to hinder either ourselves or the people around us or both from seeing who Jesus truly is. Because if Jesus was only going to be gentle, we would not feel the rebuke of either of those things. You guys probably see this on social media now and it's it's goofy and funny and whatever, but the whole thing of gentle parenting. Jesus is not a gentle parent. He's not going to just accept the things that we're doing wrong as just part of who we are and say, maybe tomorrow you'll do better. The point of rebuke, the reason that he is not the gentle shepherd at all times is so that we feel the need to change how we're living and to live a life that puts us on that right side, that side that is inheriting everything that he is giving to us. It's not so much how we receive the rebuke, it's how we respond to it. Receiving hard things is hard. Responding to them is harder. But what's important in this moment and as we live our life, is not the initial reaction, it's the response. So that's the question I leave you with tonight. When you feel that rebuke, that, that conviction, that exposing from Jesus, and the way that exposes your hypocrisy, or even the way that you are standing in between the kingdom and yourself or somebody else, what is your response? Is it just to brush it off and, and leave it behind and keep doing what you want to do? Or do you take it on, feel the weight and the burden of that, and allow it to change who you are and how you're living? pray. Father God, you are such a good God. And sometimes to be a good God, you cannot be the gentle shepherd. Lord, we know that rebuke is hard. It doesn't feel good. We don't want it. But thank you for being a God who is so about us. You are willing to do the hard things so that we can respond to the hard things. Father, give us the boldness and the, the desire to be a people who respond in a way that looks like you. Move into that right side. so That we can be inheritors of everything that you have for us. And we pray. Amen.